We have been talking for the past two weeks about core commitments. Um, these are commitments that we as a staff, as a leadership team, the vestry that we have been talking through and praying about over the last many months since I've been here. Um, and I'm so excited to get to continue to talk about that. We've been preaching about it and then going and having a class in the evening. There are some of you who have been to a class. How many have been able to be to one of those classes? The classes are a time to listen and then to discuss and meet new people and ask questions. Um, these core commitments are about to be up on the screen. We exist to be a joyful community of disciples who together. What I love about this is the reminder that we are not islands. We are not people that are following Christ alone, but that we do it together as a family. Chris, the first week, talked about experiencing the love of God and life and the Holy Spirit. I love the last song that we sang because it's a reminder that before we do anything, we are loved by God, our Father. And through his love, we get to experience life in the Holy Spirit. And if we have accepted that and received that, we have the opportunity to share that with other people. And Brad talked about that in week two. We can be hospitable to those who are in our neighborhoods. We can love the people that are in our jobs. We can tell them about Jesus. Today, commitment number three, we're going to be talking about embodying practices and postures that lead to the restoration of our whole person. And I am going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to John 15. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this rainy day. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word and what you put on my heart today. I thank you, Lord, for Trinity's commitment to embody practices and postures that care for our whole selves. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today. I pray for the people who are listening that you would help them not to feel distracted and that your spirit would speak to them as is needed. We love you and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. John 15, if you have a Bible, you might have a Bible that has red lettering in it. If so, it's really interesting because you can flip back probably a page, 1331, and you can flip forward a couple pages through chapter 17, and it's mostly red. My Bible doesn't have red. Yours might not. Either way, what this means is that they are Jesus' words. It's a long space for Jesus to talk. And this discourse, this speech that he's giving, is to the 11 disciples after Judas had left. And he has told his disciples that he is about to leave them. And he's going to die. 
And he's told them that he is the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him. He's told them that he's going to go away and he won't be seen and then they will see him again. And he's told them that they are going to be sent the Holy Spirit, the helper, to help remind them of what he has taught them. And he says to them, my peace I leave with you. And then we get to what is recorded in John 15. I imagine that those disciples, scared because Jesus said that he was going to leave them, confused, unsure exactly how this helper Holy Spirit thing was going to work, were just listening to him, wanting to know what he was going to say. And my hope today is that you too will just listen to these words, knowing that it falls in the middle of lots of chapters of Jesus talking. John 15 says this, I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. The advice that I believe Jesus was sharing with his disciples in John 15, 1 through 11, I believe is pretty simple. And I think it's the same advice that he has for all of us today. Do you want a joy-filled life? Stay connected to the true vine. A vine. Jesus is our true vine, is my first point. I have five of them. I realized as I was preparing for this that I have never been to a vineyard. Somebody said, aw. It's true. (laughs) I've never been to a vineyard, but I'm living in Georgia, and there are vineyards, and so it goes on my to-do list. I need to go. But I understand what a vine does. A vine provides nutrients and gives life to that which, to the branch that's connected to it. It gives water to the branches. 
It's what makes the branches produce fruit. I get that. And Jesus says that he is the true vine. He provides nutrients. He gives life to whatever is connected to him. He is the giver of living water. Jesus saying that he is the true vine also assumes that there are vines that aren't true. And we remember that he is speaking to his disciples. His disciples were Jewish. They were of the nation of Israel. And when they heard Jesus saying that he was the true vine, they would have heard something maybe that we don't hear today. You see, in the Old Testament, which they were very familiar with, whenever the vine was used, it was talking about Israel. And they would have understood that whenever the vine was used, it was also negative. So in Psalm 80, talks about Israel as the vine out of Egypt that took root and filled the land, but now is cut down and burned with fire. Or in the prophets, Israel is the vineyard of the Lord that yielded bad fruit. It was a wild and corrupt vine. It was a useless vine. So you can imagine as the disciples are listening to Jesus, he's saying he's not that. He's not one who produces bad fruit. He's not useless, but he is useful. It's not their Jewish heritage being connected to being Israel that is going to make them have life, but instead it's going to be being connected to him. And this is important as we know they go out into all the nations, right? It's not only Israel who's going to have life. I imagine for us today, Jesus would also need to tell each and every one of us, I am the true vine. Why? Because we look to other things to nourish us. I imagine that if Jesus were to walk through that door right now, he would say, hey, I am the true vine, but you all have other vines that you think give you life. What might those things be in your life? For some of us, we think that we are the true vine. We think that we don't need to depend on anyone else. We have life in ourselves. For others, it's alcohol. For some, it's sex or it's work or success or kids or our spouses, security or safety or comfort or money. If you're wondering what it is for you, what it might be, it might be that thing, that thing that you feel like if without that, I would not have life. I would die. As a pastor and a former missionary and a seminary student, one might think that I don't struggle with this. And yet I can find myself tending towards work, or perfection, or being seen or accepted as the things that my natural self would say, these are the things that actually are going to give you life. And Jesus would respond to all of us, I am the true vine. I am the one who will nourish you. I give you life. And just like he had told his disciples probably minutes before, because I live, you also live. You get your life from Jesus alone.
Jesus is the true vine. Point number two, we experience life only when we stay connected to that true vine. Jesus tells his disciples and he tells us to abide in him. He says, abide in me as I abide in you. The word abide is repeated nine times in just seven verses. I think in 2023, that would be like Jesus walking through that door and shouting as loud as he could, abide, 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 abide. Or he'd be sending us a text message in all caps, abide, 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 abide. These were important words that he wanted his disciples to hear and he wants us to hear too. You might be thinking, what does abide mean? It's simple. It is to stay or to remain. Jesus is saying, stay connected to me. I am connected to you. And that connection that he describes, it's an intimate one. It's something probably bigger than my understanding. He keeps saying, abide in me and I and you. There's a relationship, a deep connection, and it's a mutual connection. It's not Jesus holding on and we're like this. It's both. It's mutual. We have an orientation towards Jesus, and he has an orientation towards us. It reminds me of the covenant, these words in the Old Testament that God gave to Abraham and to David, between you and me, I will be your God and you will be my people. And in John, Jesus tells his disciples, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. There's this giving and this receiving that happens in our connection to Jesus. So we imagine that chapter 14, what's recorded in chapter 14, probably happened about five minutes before in the disciples' ears. And Jesus uses some interesting language with them when he tells his disciples that he's going to come back to them. He says, On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And we see this beautiful picture of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and those who follow him. There's this interconnectedness that I will say I don't fully grasp, but it is intimate. Jesus tells his disciples that they will bear much fruit if they stay connected to him and that they won't if they don't. We will bear much fruit if we stay connected to Jesus. And if we don't, we just can't do anything. Really, I was studying this passage, and I went to Chris's office, and I said, Chris, I have to preach on this, but this is a little hard because I see these words in this passage and they bother me. (laughs) And maybe they bothered you when I was reading. I see these words like withers and thrown into the fire and burned. I have to preach on that. And so I'm naming it. I'm like, is this about hell? And I don't think so necessarily. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and earlier in the passage, he had said in verse 3, you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. They had a connection. 
with Jesus. And yet what I think he was trying to tell them was, abide, 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 so that you may produce fruit. And we can imagine a bunch of grapes, right, that's disconnected from the vine. It's not going to continue to grow grapes. That's what he's saying. You need to abide if you want to produce fruit. And in fact, in Matthew 7, Jesus speaks of how to tell a true disciple, and he says, you will know them by their fruit. So we are connected to Jesus, and our fruit grows abundantly. And we stay connected. How do we stay connected to Jesus? We stay connected to Jesus through having certain postures, postures of curiosity, God, help me throughout this day to see how you are working. A posture of neediness. Oh God, I know that I am not meant to be in this world alone and to do this alone. Connect me to you. I need you. God, I need other people who love you in my life. We do it through practices, the things that we do, like being in God's word, being still, going out into nature and seeing God, right? We'll be talking more about that at our class tonight, 4.30. Would love for you to come. Having much fruit, it's a sign of a healthy branch. What fruit are we talking about? Are we talking about success and having lots of money and living the good life and not having any suffering? The answer is no. Being connected to Jesus means that we will have fruit, fruits of the Spirit that are not natural to us, like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So many of you know that I moved here after having been gone for about 10 years. One day, I came home from church And I looked in my yard, and there's this tree. And it was different than it had been before. It had been, uh, there's the trunk, and there's some branches, and then it just randomly stops. And I looked at it, and I'm like, what? What's going on? This tree, it's so, so ugly. And I don't remember this from before. It was beautiful at some some point before. It's very interesting in verse 2, Jesus says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You see this tree, it was a crepe myrtle, I learned later. It had been pruned. Man, and I think even as I was preparing this, I was looking outside that window. I mean, it's, it's quite ugly. <laughs> and I think about our lives sometimes As believers, we are connected to Jesus, and Jesus is connected to us, and we go through hard times. We suffer, or God reveals something to us, and we realize, ah, I have to work through that, and it's painful. And some of you right now might be in a time of pruning, and Jesus here has a word for you. Just like that Great myrtle, it's in the stage of being ugly. It will be beautiful in a few months. I remember it, kind of. 
But I have this expectant hope of what it's going to look like in a few months. Jesus invites us in those times of pruning to stay connected to him because he will bear much fruit. Jesus is the true vine. When we are connected, we bear much fruit. And as we grow in connection to Jesus, our wills bend to his will. Verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This statement is interesting because it is conditional. There are ifs there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, we have to know his words. But if we abide in him and his words in us, then ask, ask freely. And I think this comes from the fact that God knows that if we abide in him and his words in us, then how we pray is going to look a little bit different probably than if we weren't abiding in him. We have the perfect example of Jesus. Jesus, before he died, was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, about to die, he prayed. And he said, God, take this cup from me. He didn't want to die. Who would want to go through the physical pain of dying? And yet he had such an intimate connection with his father that he also knew that in him dying, there would be life afterwards. He would resurrect from the dead, and those who believed in him would also resurrect. And so he followed that statement, honesty, a good posture with God, with one of a perspective that went beyond himself. Thy will be done. Oh, have you ever prayed it? I can think of some things, some times in my life as I've been deeply connected with God. God, I really desire this, and your will be done. Jesus, he is the true vine. When we are connected, we bear much fruit, and as we grow in our connection, our wills bend to his will. Our perspective gets a little broader. My fourth point, when we are connected to Jesus, we bring glory to our Father. Glory is a Christian word. What in the world does glory mean? It's like we shine a light on God. It's like we make him really proud. We make him seen and known. And Jesus says that bearing fruit brings glory to our Father. When we're connected to Jesus, the Holy Spirit grows fruit. That nutrients from the true vine, it goes into our branch, and there's more peace, and there's more patience, and there's more joy, and there's more kindness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Imagine the impact that that has on your family when you are connected to Jesus. Your kid who's been observing you might say, Mommy, but that you're so patient in the in Atlanta traffic. What's going on? And you can shine your light on God because you know your flesh. Oh, that's God in me. He's doing that thing, huh? Or maybe when your child sees you in Publix 
And you were kind to someone who was not so kind to you. But mom, why, why were you so loving and kind to that person? Because that is God in me, and you shine that light. Our connectedness to Jesus can have a big impact on those around us, which indeed brings glory to the Father. And we know that fruits of the Spirit are unnatural. They are not of our flesh. They come from God himself. And it is only when we are connected to the true vine that those start to grow. Being his disciples also brings glory to the Father. Discipleship is marked by following Jesus' example of love and obedience. John 13 says, Jesus says, Just as I loved you, love one another. Jesus was talking to his 11 disciples, the people who followed him. Today he's talking to those of us who call who follow Jesus. Man, in the United States of America, when I came back three years ago, this is what I say. (laughs) If only we loved one another. Can you imagine just this group, these people inside of these walls, if we would love each other like our Father has loved us, how much impact that would have on the world around us? Let's take it a step back. Can you imagine if we were to go into the city of Atlanta and love like God loved us? There's people who look different than we do. People who believe different politics than we do. People who love Jesus but are serving in different churches than we are, denominations. Or who are poorer than we are or richer than we are. How, what an impact that might have. What an impact that those who are watching those of us who call ourselves Christians, that would shine glory. It would shine on God. We would bring glory to him. And I believe more people would come to know Jesus. Discipleship is also marked by following Jesus' example of obedience. Obedience is that word that none of us like unless we are parents or talking to our children. And yet Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. One of the ways that we show that we are connected to Jesus is that we are obedient to his word. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him. Obedience is a posture of a believer. The more connected we are to the vine, the deeper our desire is to submit to his will. And I'll tell you, the world might say that doing so is restrictive that it's not fun, but the reality is that Jesus says something different. Jesus ends this portion of his talk with the disciples by saying, I have said these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Staying connected to Jesus leads us to experience a joy-filled life. Do you guys believe that? (laughs) 
that that's actually what God wants for us? He's basically saying, if you want joy, like true, real, meaningful joy, I am the true vine. Stay connected to me. Our Father wants us to be so connected to his Son that we are healthy branches. You may be sitting here thinking, Adrian, okay, I get it. <laughs> but how? How exactly do I connect? How do I have such an intimate relationship with Jesus? Well, we believe here at Trinity that we are all on a journey, and we're all in different spots. We believe that God cares about all parts of us, and that staying connected to Jesus involves our whole selves. When Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branches, he's not just talking about our brains or our spirits or our emotions or our relationships. He's actually talking about all parts of us. And in him saying, abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit, he's talking about all parts of us. Us abiding in Jesus will have an effect on all parts of our lives. God wants to nourish our whole being. That means continually growing in our understanding of his word. It involves knowing our stories and knowing how We've been formed in our families and how that might impact our relationships. It involves understanding how God has gifted us and the personalities that he's given us. And knowing that he wants to heal. He wants to heal us and make us better. <laughs> he wants to give us true sustenance. Tonight... At 4.30, we're going to have the opportunity to dig a little bit deeper into what it means to embody postures and practices that lead to the restoration of the whole person. And we really hope that you will attend. I'm going to offer you all a moment of silence to just sit and reflect. Reflect on your connection to the true vine and how you're, yeah, what that's like right now for you. God bless you. <laughs> 